Welcome to the Beargrass Christian Church Podcast. I'm Dee Decker, and it is a pleasure to have you with us today. In this episode, we welcome one of our former ministers, Reverend Julie Richardson. Julie is a gifted writer and eloquent speaker, and her sermon title this past Sunday was On Your Left, and the text she selected was Ruth 1, 6 through 18. If you are not a Marvel fan, you will be by the end of this sermon. Julie does a wonderful job of talking about the relationship between Captain America and Falcon and tying it in with uh, the relationship between Ruth and Naomi. I want to let you know that in two weeks, we will feature a follow-up bonus episode with Julie. Uh, We're going to dive in more to uh, her sermon and what it means to be the church, uh, what it means to support and love one another, and what do we do uh, when we're hurt or harmed by the church. So be sure and check out that episode that will drop uh, the second week in September. Here we are with Reverend Julie Richardson on your left. Good morning. I do in my official capacity as the Assistant Vice President for Development and Pension Fund want to bring you official greetings from Pension Fund. And I also want to help you know that this place has had a connection um, for quite a while that you may not know about. Um, Jane Lawless, who many of you remember was a member here who passed away a couple of years ago. Jane was a longtime board member at Pension Fund. In fact, our current board structure is largely due to her very effective leadership um, as board chair. And Chad Turner, um, who is currently a member here at Beargrass, is also currently uh, a board member for Pension Fund. So lots of folks here, um, aside from your pastors, who are vested in what happens at Pension Fund. And I want to tell you a little bit more about the work I do there and why um, it should matter to you um, as a congregation. But before I do that, I want to tell you a little bit about uh, these guys on the screen behind me um, and why they have come to mean a great deal to me in the last few years. On the slide behind me are Captain America and Falcon. They are the brilliant products of the brilliant imagination of Stan Lee, who was the founder of Marvel Comics in 1939. Some of you may know Captain America and Falcon from actual comics you read in your childhood. I know them because they've been resurrected for the present day in the Marvel movie franchise, which has dominated box offices for the last decade or so. The character Captain America was created in 1941. And Falcon, the first black superhero created in mainstream comics, was created in 1969. So if perhaps these guys are a little bit new to you today, here's a quick and probably too brief summary of their stories. Captain America, who is also called Cap, is the alter ego of a man named Steve Rogers. And originally, Steve was a frail young man dying to be a hero in World War II, but he could not physically keep up. He is, due to a scientist who sees his fierce desire to serve, enhanced to the peak of human perfection by an experimental serum and goes on to play a key role in the United States' involvement in the war. 
Near the end of World War II, so the comic book story goes, Steve Rogers becomes trapped in ice, but survives in suspended animation until he is revived in the present day. I know, stay with me, it's comics. With an almost indestructible suit of armor and a shield that can stop pretty much anything, Captain America becomes the, leaders of, the leader of the Avengers. Superheroes working together against present-day forces of evil. His faithful companion in the modern day is Falcon. And Falcon is the alter ego of Sam Wilson, a kid from Harlem, with a whole lot stacked against him, who eventually joins the United States Air Force. And following his own overseas service, he comes home to work with veteran affairs in supporting veterans battling post-traumatic stress syndrome. His superhero identity has bionic wings and a telepathic connection with birds of all sorts, especially an actual falcon called Red Wing, who he trained as a youth. Truthfully, Cap and Falcon are very different. They come from different backgrounds, different eras. They've served different purposes. They've had very different experiences. But in the Marvel movie Winter Soldier, Captain America and Falcon meet as fellow veterans in modern-day Washington, D.C., and become fast friends. They're both early morning joggers, and so begin to see each other regularly on their morning runs, and Cap develops a habit of poking fun at Falcon by regularly speeding past him and calling out, on your left, as he does. And what begins is this jest between two new friends becomes something much more important. Because at the end of Winter Soldier, following an epic battle, Steve wakes in the hospital to find Sam by his bedside promising, I'm here on your left. And even more significantly, in the hit movie Endgame, Falcon appears at Captain America's side in their most pivotal battle in that movie, just when things are beginning to look lost. On your left, he says. And Cap turns to find not only Falcon, but a host of others willing to stand with him in a most crucial and defining moment. On your left a declaration of presence and a promise to maintain that presence even when things are most difficult. Now, Ruth and Naomi never, to my knowledge, knew about the Marvel comic universe. But I suspect that they would have understood on your left. Because, see, Naomi and her husband, Elimelech, they'd had a plan prior to the words that we heard this morning from the book of Ruth. Naomi and Elimelech had made a plan to go from Bethlehem, where there was a famine, and build a new life in Moab. They leave everything they know to go to a new country with their two sons in tow, 
searching for a better life. And once in Moab, their sons marry local women. And though, you know, the text doesn't really say it, but I like to imagine they all settled in happily for this new life together. And then Elimelech dies. And then, as if this isn't enough, Naomi and Elimelech's sons die. And Naomi from Bethlehem and her daughters-in-law from Moab are left alone. And in that time, in the history of God's people, three women left with no men and no shelter and no income and no resources faced a very bleak future. I am confident that this is not how Naomi saw things playing out. I am confident that Naomi, having lost so much and with so little prospects as an older single woman, was terrified. I am confident that she wondered in her grief and her fear what her future could possibly hold. Because this is what happens when our lives shatter around us and we are left wondering how we'll ever pick up the pieces again. But for Naomi, there's Ruth on her left promising to stay with her, to not leave her alone in fear and anguish, assuring her that there is a way forward and that they will find it together. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. On your left. Think for a moment, if you would, about who stands on your left. Who, in the midst of everything life throws at us, heartache and loss and betrayal and fear and uncertainty and doubt, who quietly stands present with you in that? When you've lost a job or a loved one, when you've learned you're facing the challenge of a life-altering disease, when the whole world seems to be falling in on you, who do you turn to and find right there on your left refusing to let you face it alone? I am fortunate these days to be working with Pension Fund of the Christian Church for many reasons, but a huge part of the reason that I said yes to this work is because Pension Fund understands on your left. First and foremost, Pension Fund holds $3 billion in fully funded retirement assets of 14,000 pastors and employees affiliated with the Stone Campbell churches. The Christian Church Disciples of Christ, the Independent Christian Church, and the Churches of Christ, we exist to help servants of the church retire well after lifetimes of sacrificial service. 
But we also stand with these folks, especially with pastors over the course of their careers. And a significant part of my work at Pension Fund revolves around raising money for a program called Ministerial Relief and Assistance. MRA, as we call it, is essentially the benevolent arm of Pension Fund and provides, among other things, emergency financial support to pastors and their families in times of need. MRA encompasses a number of clergy support programs designed to help pastors thrive in ministry. Across its spectrum are programs designed to promote clergy health and well-being because we know that healthy and thriving pastors make healthy and thriving congregations. And I believe that it has never been more important in our history as God's people for us to have healthy, thriving pastors and healthy, thriving congregations. Ministerial Relief and Assistance as a program traces its roots to Wabash Christian Church in Indiana. In 1895, almost 125 years ago, the pastor of Wabash, a man named Ira Chase, passed away. Reverend Chase was also a Civil War veteran and a former governor of Indiana. And when he died, he left behind his wife and four children. And his wife, Rhoda Jane Castle Chase, found herself alone with four children to raise and with the added challenge of having been blinded by smallpox in her own Civil War service as a nurse. A church leader by the name of Brother Atkinson saw Rhoda Jane's need and set about doing something about it. And with the help of other leaders, he raised enough funds for the purchase of a modest home for Rhoda Jane and her children. Nothing could change that her husband had died or that her children had lost a father. Nothing could fix her grief. But the church came alongside her with what they could offer, their resources, and refused to let her suffer alone. You might say the church said to Rhoda Jane, on your left. And it seems to me that this is the heart of what it is to be church. The heart of what it means to love one another as we have first been loved because faith community at its best and most faithful is a ministry of presence. No agenda, no hidden game, no quest for some sort of instant spiritual transformation or perfection. Just presence. A promise to be with someone during a difficult time in whatever way we can, knowing that in our own lives, our God has promised this very thing to us. Ruth insists on staying with Naomi, refuses to let her go it alone. And Naomi, she tries to make her go, to tell her that she'll be fine and that Ruth needs to go and build a new life for herself somewhere else. But no, Ruth says, 
wherever you go, I will go. And truthfully, Naomi's response is understandable and one that we would likely be tempted to offer today. Because here in North America, we have this whole notion of rugged individualism, of being independent and proud and of wanting to be seen as handling things. Our aversion to being perceived as vulnerable is generally our own worst enemy. And so we find ourselves saying, often in difficult moments, I'm fine. As if there is some merit badge for facing down the darkness alone. There are no extra points for isolation, my friends. And so how lucky we are if someone like Ruth is willing to stand in our corner. How lucky we are if we have a falcon in our lives. And how important it is, how absolutely necessary it is that as people of faith, we learn to be Ruth for others. That we learn to stand with others as Falcon stood with Captain America, because this is exactly what God has called us to. This morning, between worship services, we celebrated the promotion of our young people. A welcome back from summer and a welcome back to school and a moving up in programs and grades for our children. Our children. These children, many of them were dedicated here as infants. And you promised on those dedication days that you would be with them. You promised that you would raise them in faith. And you promised that you would surround them with your love. You promised to stand on their left. And I know this because I heard you make that very promise in this very room to my own daughter 12 years ago. And she and I know that you know how to make good on that promise. We know that you are very good at presence. We know that you are very good at proclaiming and living into on your left. Because many of you have done exactly that for us for many years now. I need you to continue to be the kind of congregation that stands on the left of children and promises that they are not alone. I need you to continue to be the kind of congregation that walks with people through the broken places of their lives and will not let them go. And I know that it is a turbulent time in the life of this congregation. I know that so much is changing. I was here for John Hall's retirement Sunday not long ago, and it is no secret that Lee Bond is not far behind him. 
You are in the midst of figuring out where you have been and who you will be. And this congregation is not the same congregation it was 10 years ago. And 10 years from now, it will not be the same congregation. And during times such as these, it is easy for congregations to get antsy and worried and for this collective sort of anxiety and grief to bubble up that is very difficult to deal with. But I'll tell you, the odds are in your favor. You have four of the finest pastors I have ever known leading you through these days. And nestled in the bones of this place is an understanding of what it means to be present with love and grace in a very broken and hurting world. Inherent in your DNA is walking alongside each other through some very dark days. Now, to be sure, you don't always agree on the best next steps or the way forward. But in the end, you know how to get where you're going together. And so all you have to do for our children, all you have to do for the future of your life together is stand on one another's left and go with one another into whatever's next. Because this community and our world desperately need you to do just that. And so may it be so. Amen. Thanks, Julie, for a wonderful message and a reminder of what it means to keep our promises that we have made to one another and the children of of our church family. Remember to check out the follow-up bonus episode that we're going to have with Julie in the next couple of weeks where we talk more about what it means to be in community and in loving relationships with one another as a church family. Thanks for listening as always, and we hope to see you around the table for one of our weekend worship services. You can find out more about those and upcoming events and studies that we're having here at Beargrass by visiting our website, www.beargrass.org. Also catch us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, We're always trying to get more likes, more listeners, more followers. So uh, check us out there. And until next time. Grace and peace.